listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Welcome to episode 100. Was that a burp or what? You all right there? Or did you say oh? No, said oh. <laughs> Clear to throw it. I wasn't sure if you farted or burped. I wasn't sure what you're up to. This mic was picking up this fart like that's a good fart. So oh, I can't lay, I cannot lay claim to that fart. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, it's episode 133. <laughs> My name's Ted Sylvan. He's Wacey Anderson. This is Cowboy Shit, uh, where we talk about uh, a little bit of everything. And we call it the Cowboy last, Shit. Uh, last episode for 2022. Been a hell of yes. a year. And already the second episode of our sixth season already, Wacey. Damn, son. Yeah, uh, this is our, we're five years down. Or no, sorry. This is our third episode of the sixth season already. Holy smokes. So mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Wow. Our sixth, the sixth year. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so man. the last one for 2022, like you said, uh, we talked to a friend who's on the eighth episode of the podcast, uh, Zeke Thurston. He mm-hmm. was a one-time world champion then. Now he's a three-time world champion. Uh, Done a bit of work since. Yeah. Had a good visit with Zeke. Uh, but uh, just past Christmas in those days where you don't really know what day it is. For some folks, <laughs> yeah, I've been I've been thinking the last two days have been Wednesday, so I was yeah. pleasantly surprised to find out it was Tuesday today. So a little bit a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, how was Christmas, Wace? Uh, what uh, what was good, your man. favorite? What was your favorite Christmas gift? Ooh, oh, actually, this is a cool one. Jen got me this. She took a photo from the Zach Bryan concert we were at mm-hmm. in Phoenix, and then she wrote some lyrics from one of the Zach Bryan songs on it and then put it in a picture frame. So we'll be able to put that somewhere. I thought it was really nice. It's a very thoughtful, very thoughtful gift. I'm the, I'm the worst person. Like I love giving gifts and stuff, but I hate receiving gifts. We've talked about, I think we've talked about this. We have talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I do not like, do not like receiving gifts. So I was spoiled big time by Jen and her family. So it was good. Yeah. But yeah, that was easily my favorite gift out of all of the ones. That I received. First Christmas over there. That's cool. Yeah. How about you, man? Exciting. What was your top? Had a house full of people. Got some socks. Good Christmas. If you get socks, I guess. You're right? a big sock guy. You're a big sock guy. So, people... yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're a little bit big. Perfect, dude. We'll get nice that. What you? What did you? What would you say is the best Christmas leftover? Um. After a Christmas dinner. Oh, best Christmas leftover. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about your favorite mm. Christmas baking. That was one thing I was thinking about earlier. The best, like Christmas baking. Oh, we're gonna we, we, we but that one next. Yeah, Christmas leftovers. Um, I haven't done it this time because the buns are kind of old. But I was thinking about uh, like remember how I showed you the Bobby, uh, in uh at the convention mm-hmm, center in mm-hmm. Vegas where it's Thanksgiving on a bun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was considering making myself a Bobby with some. What so for those that don't know about the Bobby, so my friend Richard Jones taught me this years back. It's uh Capriata's sub place and it's in the Las Vegas Convention Center, but they have mm. it's got turkey, cranberry sauce, and stuffing all on one bun. It's very delicious, isn't mm. it? It's in a submarine format. Um, very good sando, especially, you know, right after Thanksgiving. It's like a little bit of it's like leftovers. Probably probably is leftovers, in fact. But uh mm. but anyways. I was gonna make one, but I never did it yet. So maybe I should have, but it's fine. Dang, it's really fine. Yeah, I would. I was gonna say I was gonna agree that turkey buns are the ultimate Christmas leftover. Yeah, so similar, but they hit. They hit. They hit right. Um, 
I only had the Christmas leftover one time, so I couldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to tell you. Nothing too crazy. Or but, even, or even you could go like, what's your, what do you think is the best Christmas dinner side? Side. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like a side the, dish, the not the turkey. Yeah, it's not turkey to the, to the meal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd Definitely say that. Good. Yeah, I'm well, a big mashed potato guy. Mashed potatoes, yeah. You can have, I got you can have mashed potatoes any time of the year though. Whereas I know, but there's so much stuffing. Oh, yeah, stuffing is a more um, scenario driven meal, right? Yeah, true. But the you can have mashed potatoes any day, the turkey any day of the week. Yeah, but you can't have stuffing in any day of the week. It'd be you weird, wouldn't it? Stuff. Yeah, good stuff for you. Christmas. Good stuff. Uh, looking forward to get back rolling here. It's nice to get a break. Uh, gonna go. Uh, we'll be in Dallas next week. So by the next show, will be uh, Dallas bound. So we gotta get another show going. But uh, uh, okay, my my question yeah. to you though was favorite Christmas baking. Ooh. So, uh, Jen made these cookies this year that have they're like Christmas tree shaped and they have this like icing on them, but it's like almond butter based. Is that right? Or is almond based? There's almond extract based cookies, and they're like all an almond extract added into the icing that makes it taste like crack. I could I could eat a million of them. Oh, interesting. That's that would be my that's moved into my top. Yeah. How about you? We uh, Storm's mom Reagan makes these. Uh, she calls them Oreos. It's like some kind of like thick, puffy cookie with like some icing in the middle and then another mm-hmm. another cookie it's like it's like this thick like it's probably like two and a half inches thick it's like pretty amazing homemade oreos dude yeah i got a little bit i think i've foundered myself on them though yeah so it's been a little aggressive but hey i we haven't <laughs> done this in a while um for anybody that's got some ideas on the best christmas side um cranberry sauce the the thanksgiving like the the uh, what do you call it? Waste the the stuffing, like I was saying. You know, if you're mm-hmm, wasting mm-hmm. mashed potatoes, if that's your favorite Christmas side, like, what's your favorite pierogies. Christmas side, folks? Pierogies. I'm thinking that like one of the most exclusive ones is the stuffing. You don't get it any other time of the year, really, really, right? Right? It's like Thanksgiving or Christmas. When else do you have stuffing? Um, yeah, and unless you frequent Why not? making or Easter, Easter took time, possibly. Hey, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like I've never made it. It's like, is it is it because it's tough to make? You don't have turkey often. You don't serve with ham. You don't serve yeah. with beef. Like, I wonder what the deal is. I'm curious. That's a that's a good question, actually. What does Jen say? What does Jen say? You, you she has she just left she just this. left the room, so she oh. didn't have anything okay. to say. But okay. she said pierogies were her favorite before she left. Pierogies. That's where okay. the pierogi idea. But okay. yeah, I don't know. It's it's funny that you yeah you wouldn't think that they're mutually exclusive things or I don't think mutually exclusive exclusive is the right term for that, but. It's funny that you. It's funny that you. Yeah, you can't have. Uh, I don't, can't think of any other times you'd have stuffing. People in Newfoundland eat stuffing that's like going out of style. You can get a poutine in Newfoundland that has stuffing on it. Oh, really? So maybe it's a yeah. geographical thing. I wonder. I'd have yeah, to. I uh, I gotta dive deeper out. into this. Yeah, I gotta dive deeper into this. So questions are pondering. If you have the answer to this <laughs> stuffing scenario, please let us know because we need to know this. Targeting uh, questions but, on cowboy man, shit. I had some other stuff. I just read. Uh, I just I've been catching up on the magazines. Well, like mm-hmm. I read one over the holidays, and I was listening. I was reading about uh, India and the and the energy that they're going to require. And I was wondering about like, wondering about well, we kind of talked about Hafiz the other night. How he's working on like extracting lithium from brine in the different uh, um, oil field scenarios. Like I think Saskatchewan's mm-hmm. going to be a, a big producer of lithium in the future for. You know, as far mm-hmm. as the way the batteries are going, but I got thinking about that, and I don't know how it applies to the podcast, but I 
for some reason, I wanted to bring it up with mm. you on that and see like what kind of interesting shit you've been reading lately. What's on your mind? Interesting shit. Interesting shit. I've been reading lately. Yeah. Oh God, man. I haven't been reading anything interesting lately. I've been so like disconnected. I've taken an opportunity to not do anything crazy or read anything crazy. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of any, something that, what were we? What have I been following. I've been following like ever the, the, the travel chaos of what's been going on in, in Canada, like over the holidays, like that's been the biggest mm-hmm. thing I've been re- like following on, like with like how Vancouver just would like, like canceling people's flights and telling them like they can't do anything for them. And there, I heard one story three foot of snow on the runway. Yeah, I heard, I heard one story. That there's pla- I heard a few stories where so good in plane, planes getting low, not getting loaded with people's luggage and people not, like losing their luggage for days and just like the horror stories of traveling over the holidays, I guess. But it's just crazy to, to like see the comparison of like even Calgary. Calgary had their own issues, but they're way well better equipped to handle a big snowstorm or extreme weather. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been following lately. <laughs> just like seeing how the airlines have handled everything. Like, like there was when I was trying to fly out here for for Christmas uh, on the 23rd or no, on the 21st, I think it was when I left the Wednesday or whatever. And uh, at one point the WestJet like desk in the, the domestic terminal at Calgary airport told people like, they like just, there's like hundreds of people in the line and they were like, yeah, if you we're no longer rebooking any flights, if you're from Calgary, go home. If you're not, we'll find something for you to do in the airport. Like this were they just got to the point where they were overloaded with, like they couldn't do anything for people, which is oh boy, so so brutal. And then when I got to Kelowna that night, we so I, my flight got delayed three hours. Supposed to fly out at uh nine, didn't end up leaving till midnight. Finally took off, landed in Kelowna, sat on the air on the airstrip for twenty five minutes, waiting for someone to contact us. Like the captain came over the the radio and was like, "Yeah, like nobody's answering us at the terminal. Like we don't know what's going on." So we just sat there waiting for someone to get like tell us where to go. Oh boy! So we do that. Finally, get off the plane, get there to get there. And Kelowna Airport is bananas. And like you know, Kelowna Airport, Teddy, it's very small. Uh, for people mm-hmm. who don't know, it's a small international airport. Like, like two caris- luggage carousels. Like, not very much going on. But there's hundreds and hundreds of people there, like waiting for their bags. Like, like it, like it was an absolute shit show. Like flights coming from Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, like all over the place. I met some. I met one couple there who'd been standing at the carriage hel- or the the carousel for over four hours waiting for their bag. Oh no! And so, it's not in a big airport. But, yeah, it's not in a big oh, airport. No. So That's by the brutal. time, by the, and I even heard a story from people who were on a WestJet flight trying to leave Kelowna. They were on the runway for an hour, ready to take off, waiting to get fueled up, and the fuel guy just like left for the day. He's like, "I'm done." Like, and it was like eleven, like eleven a.m. in the morning. This <laughs> is oh, like no. just dipped out the fuel guy. So oh, no. anyway, by the time I got to the Garrett Carousel, it was like just approaching one o'clock, and then so we kind of waited around, waited around, talked to some people. It was about two in the morning. Um, and I'm like, fuck, like this is getting brutal. Like, I'm not gonna stay here all night. And Jen had to go was to the office the next waiting, morning. Waiting for yeah, Jen was Jen, Jen was, yeah, she was waiting for me in her car, like she couldn't park anywhere oh, where she could get out because there was there were so many people waiting there. So she was waiting and it was like two in the morning. I'm like, fuck, I gotta get out of here because she had to go to the office the next morning. So I think like two thirty we ended up leaving the airport. I went to talk to a guy, I'm like, yo, man, if I just leave and come get my bag tomorrow, is that okay? And he's like, Yeah, dude, like you're fine. He's like, there's only three people working on the ground at Cologne Airport right now that that oh, night. Boy. So there's so that was like for people unloading planes, loading all the planes that had already waiting to leave, and the ones that had come in. Like there, it was it was an absolute gong show. So what's the problem? I don't know if, like, Is it nobody fucking wants to work there. Or like I think it. Yeah, what that's the what problem. We've been talking about that like all week, man. It's like, what is the problem? It's like 
they it's like got to be a decent paying job but yeah they, i think they're just having so much trouble finding people to to do the work like so we need to know. stop paying people to stay the fuck home and i was gonna say yeah i was gonna say like Jesus. it just oh it was brutal like and there i met this one dude at the calgary airport who'd been trying to get from um regina to, to Kelowna since like sunday like but like not this past sunday they went before. at that point you might as well fucking drive well and he, he didn't he, he didn't have any choice like he was we're out there for work so he didn't have a truck or anything you can rent your car rent a car there, there was no rental cars that's yeah, so people 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 were doing that there was no rental cars available and then a lot of the rental cars think we're only doing you can only do you couldn't do one-way trips had to be like had to be round trips you can just take oh, the car wow. somewhere else it was it was an absolute shit show man so that's <laughs> that's the only crazy thing i've been following along the way with, with lately huh so smaller yeah. smaller issues i guess than the global yeah, energy yeah, crisis but that's okay yeah i haven't, I haven't really <laughs> been reading up much, much up on the global energy crisis but oh fuck yeah how are we gonna have like i, well, I was it's see, actually though, like, actually saying that saying that the 50 percent of the like global emissions producers are like the like like uh six nations china mm-hmm. india and then the next four it was it's wild like it's like the u.s japan russia and the eu mm-hmm. so like and like canada like i just i don't know my point is that it's kind of fucked that we're getting limited on some shit in canada when we're such a small and are the greenest producer but i mean everybody listening here probably already gets that but yeah exactly go ahead. one thing i was gonna say is um i was reading a couple articles from um the calgary the calgary herald or sun whatever last week with the, with the cold weather and stuff saying how with the like they're they're using like reserves on energy from like like people using as much as they were um during the cold snap which was a crazy thought to me that they had to there was that much being used and in the province of alberta that they were trying to dip into like the reserves energy reserves well that it was i think i saw some of it, like an energy record was being mm-hmm. set on people using stuff so yeah i just think it's pretty fucking dopey on behalf of our leaders that think we're going to get away from fossil fuels when we're, when yeah, we're I don't, yeah i know yeah below but well, i listening think, probably gets that yeah i don't we don't need to there's nothing nothing new we're going to say energy. to any of those people yeah exactly so yeah crazy crazy as hell man so yeah interesting shit <laughs> but uh, let's get uh, to the interview here. I know, uh, yeah, we, we it was really fucking cold when we did, recorded the show with Zeke. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of a nice indoor activity to do for a while, but it's been warming up a little bit since. And uh, and uh, yeah, we're headed headed to warmer places here in the next little bit. So if you're out there somewhere cold, hopefully it's decent to you in the next little bit. But uh, enjoy the show here with Zeke. We had a good good bullshit after uh, after his, wrapping up his third world title. He's back home and and uh, yeah, good stuff. So hope you enjoy it. Again, my name is Ted Sovin. He's Wacey Anderson. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up with you. Welcome to episode 133 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacey. My name is Ted Sovin. He's Wacey Anderson. Thanks for being with us this long, folks, or if you're joining us for the first time, thanks for tuning in. With us today is a, now the three-time PRCA world champion, Saddle Bronc Riders. got three Canadian titles, eight times been in the NFR. He's got two Wrangler NFR aggregate titles. He owns the 
He owns the CFR record in the Bronc riding as well after this year as a 93 and a quarter on Get Smart. Coming off his third world title, like we said, please welcome to the show, Zeke Thurston. Hey, thanks for having me. We could just do the whole show just listing off your accomplishments for your career, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. I uh, I got to get right to the first thing, Zeke. Um, I, I hope it's a myth that we have to bust here, but we were... Uh, well, I, I'll I'll give up my source. I, they didn't they didn't do it anonymously. But uh, we were at wasting hour at the Ranchman's last week on or was it, yeah last week on Thursday right, and mm-hmm. we got talking and and Wendy Daniels she, I think she's retiring from Ranchman. She she they did something uh, there for her on Saturday. Yeah, I think she was the, like, they named the stage stage after her or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think lifetime so. achievement yeah. award for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Wendy's been a been a, a staple there, and 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 you know her, and your your mom and her go a long ways back. Um. But she's like, yeah, I heard Zeke was maybe thinking about retiring. And I'm like, ah, I guess it's plausible, but I we better ask him this because I don't know. <laughs> I've heard that, too. I don't know where this guy started, but <laughs> no, I got I got lots of gas left in the tank. OK, I was wondering, I was like, geez, he's like, he's pretty young still. He's only what? Probably 20. What are you? 28? In his prime. 29? 28. Yeah. 28, 28. Yeah. So 28 years old. I was like, geez, like, I don't think so. I'm not yeah, sure. No, I, mean, I did I heard that from a few people. I'm not sure uh, who started that or where they come up with it. But are they are they trying to are false. they trying to punk you like uh, like Richmond <laughs> yeah. champion? Is that what they're I trying to do? So. Maybe. Oh, that man, was that funny. Was, with, that was that was so funny what they're doing, Richie. Yeah, I love that. Everybody coming up asking him if he's retiring. <laughs> yeah. Telling him that, congratulations oh. on a great career. <laughs> that was that, and I I didn't want to bleed with that because I didn't want to try and joke with you too much. Like I was. I'm serious. I was serious. Like I actually heard it, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta see this. So okay, Zeke yeah, I don't not know. Uh, I did hear that going around. Not retiring. Okay, it's okay. funny. It's fu- it's funny to think of like where these rumors start. Like, <laughs> okay, a guy wins his world title. Like, oh yeah, he's retiring. Then it's the end of the line. <laughs> yeah, some old farmer walking around the trade show at the CFR comes up with it. Tells one guy, I don't know. The next, you know, it's worldwide news i've, I've had 15 <laughs> people ask me if i'm retiring <laughs> oh, yeah. actually 15 so far quite a few yeah they're like hey i heard you're retiring i'm like no i'm not retiring <laughs> okay well hopefully this gets ahead of some of that anyways um okay so third world title zeke uh, i think we got to start off with that and i mean before that though you were i uh, just saw on your instagram you were just at the chase hawks too so that's kind of the end of the end of the year before christmas eh yeah, yeah. Last single go to before Christmas. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of tough to get to the Chase Hawks right after you've been in Vegas for two weeks, you know. And it's uh, just kind of a tough time of year. But it's it's a bronc ride. It's a memorial. It's um, it's for a great cause, you know. They raise money. They calcutta you off and um, silent auction. They have a big supper the night before, so it's it's a fun event. And it's um, like I said, it's for a good cause. So uh, plus, it pays pretty good. Went down there, win second, sixty four hundred. So not too bad that's a good 15 track. grand canadian probably yeah it's a good, <laughs> good hit well they, they give away some cool prizes and stuff too at that i know i've seen some guys who won like the buckles and, and all different sorts of things at that event yeah like the buckle actually i think being uh, right there in billings is so close to columbus montana which is where montana silversmith's from so i think they kind of got like some sort of rights uh with montana silversmith but that buckle is the closest uh resembling buckle to like a world title buckle they look look very similar um so it's a beautiful buckle to win uh, i think they give away guns you know some black powder pistols and you know knives and just cool prizes and stuff i think they give them down through third and 
um, and they put you on a team and they make they make an event out of it. And it's uh, like I said, it's for a good cause. So it's a lot of fun. What did you uh, pick up for that one? What'd you win? I'm not really sure. Actually, we left before the rodeo was over. The, the oh. roads were pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, so we, we skinned her north. You know, we weren't wanting to be gone. We've just been home or gone from home for three weeks in Vegas, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, who, who, snow, it was starting to snow and stuff, so we uh, we got on the road, and we still ended up driving in bad weather, but made her home. Who, who'd who you go down to that one with? I went with uh, Leighton and Logan. Okay. Um, we just jumped in at, at Leighton's house, yeah, and we just all drove down there, so. Who who are you traveling with during the year, Zeke? I don't, I don't even know that. Who are you going with right now? Um, Jake Watson and Dawson Hay. Okay. Yeah. Good yeah, crew. the three of us have went for probably three years. Well, since 2019. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, we have a lot of fun. That's the plan mm-hmm. moving forward too. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, we'll just keep it the three of us. It's easier to, uh, you know, it's easier to enter and kind of get our days with just three. Um, a lot of times they'll fill perks with twelve guys, you know, or something. Um, and then just it's it's a little nicer for travel, you know, four guys and in a complete camper. That's a, that's a lot. It's you know, they're not very big, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how we've always done it. Three guys and, uh, we hit the road and go and we have a lot of fun. How much what? of your time is spent corralling Dawson around? <laughs> oh, all day. It's a it's nonstop, never ending job. Like he, he actually has a tracker on his wallet and a tracker on his phone and maybe one other item. And he uses them probably three or four times a day to find one of those things. Oh no! Even just in the get, camper, yeah, like his button he pushes and goes beep. Oh yeah, in the camper anywhere, loses it in his own coat pocket. You guys are gonna have to get <laughs> like an Apple AirTag necklace made Set for him so you can keep track of him. Seriously. <laughs> oh man. Ah, uh, okay. So why don't Dawson and Logan travel together? Is there some bro- brotherly, uh, some some tension there? Too that, many ditch uh, fights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think like. Dawson was kind of a little more in a position to to go and make a run at it in like 2019, I guess, when he asked um, me and Clay Elliott were rodeoing, and uh, he asked us, and and it was just been me and Clay for the last year or two, I guess, you know, kind of back and forth, and um, so then uh, Dawson had asked, and we said, yeah, that that'd be fine, you can come with us. So he was going to start entering right after the winter rodeos. Well, then Clay got hurt, you know, and. Uh, well, we we're just going to keep it at three, I guess. And Jake Watson had asked and we're like, well, sorry, you know, Dawson had already asked. So, um, we'll just keep it at that or whatever. Anyways, Clay gets hurt, you know, breaks his neck and stuff. Well then, so then I was, it was just me and Dawson and, and Jake was still healthy and still needed somebody to go with. So Jake jumped in and, uh, yeah, from there, that's kind of the rest has been history. We've been together for three years, four years now. What is it? What does it cost you guys to get down the road now? I, I haven't been in touch with that for a couple of years. I'm, kind of curious what the heck your costs are between three of you to go go rodeo for a year and how many are you guys going to i guess as well like yeah i don't know you'd have that'd be a question for cole ashbacker he's a big numbers guy oh, okay he's probably got it he's probably got it broke down um <laughs> i don't uh, like it's probably i mean for me to go rodeo probably 65 ish thousand for the year oh wow um you know probably got 25 into fees and another, you know, 25 into fuel, you know, give or take somewhere in there. And then you've got another 10 or 15 of just 
you know, eating and travel expenses, flights and yeah. you know, things like that. So, dang. So a year like this, spend money to make money. That's true. But a year like this, where you make, you know, two fifty at the NFR, win the Top Gun, which is ends up being, uh, you win, you want a twenty, is it a twenty thousand dollar US voucher? Is that what it is for for another truck? Sometime you got to use it in a yeah. certain time period. That's what it is. I think I got to use it within like six months, maybe. I'm not sure. Oh. I got to call that guy today and figure it okay. out. Okay, <laughs> make a plan. So yeah, but but then you 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 know making almost four hundred thousand US. That's uh not including endorsements. That's a record year. So it makes it all makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it sure does. Um, you know, like rodeo's gotten to where, like, I can actually go make a living and and set yourself up for life after the rodeo. You know, the guys that come before you know me and and like kind of this last little generation, I guess, like my dad and those guys like they you know they all rodeoed and all had great you know uh, great success and and had good careers but uh at the end of it you know they're you're kind of you didn't really win enough money back then to set yourself up so then now you're 35 years old done riding bronx you kind of start over you know um where it's not really that way anymore you can you can get enough money one to you know buy real estate or invest it in places and different things and uh you know have something when you're done what have you been doing? You've been you've been ranching, Rosie. Well, so that's a big investment for yourself, isn't yeah. it? Or, yeah, yeah, land. Too? Yeah, land. Um, we've uh, bought a, a, a decent little amount of land, you know, for for me and my wife anyway. And um, some of it's farm land, some of it's pasture. Um, so my father-in-law helps. Uh, he cust- does a custom farming on it, and I just pay him as as for him to you know I'm not around to to do that stuff. So and then uh, we just run yearlings in the summertime. Um, and put them on our pastures and stuff. And we got little pieces of grass that we lease or rent. And um, so, yeah, we just kind of put it into that and, and different things. And uh, like we were talking earlier, we're going to build a house, you know, our, our house is pretty small. We've kind of outgrown it with our little family. So um, get a little more space, you know, and might as well do that. Well, while our kids are little and they can grow up in it instead of doing it when they're, you know, about grown up. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The, uh, we were, um, you, you just mentioned the guys before, like the, you know, your dad and, and the guy, the generation before you kind of not making as much of a living, but what about guys like, like Rod and Denny Hay and Rod Warren? Like, did they, were they kind of the first ones to just kind of get it to where they can really make a living at and, and set themselves up for after? Or has it only been the last 10 years? I would say it's more probably been the last 10 years. Like Roddy, I think Roddy did a good job just because he went for so long, you know, he had 20 years and he's making, you know, probably 70,000 plus every year for 20 years, you know, he, he's going to be able to uh, make some of that. But like, I don't know, like I think what my dad said when he was first going to the NFR and Browns paid like $8,000. Yeah. You know, so that's, I mean, that's a little different than 28,000, but a truck also cost $9,000 back then, mm-hmm. not 100,000. Yeah. Right. True. Well, even Donnie Joe, as you know, Don Johansson, he uh, he said his biggest win of the year. He made the NFR in 1978, and he actually talked about um, how crappy it was. He said he was just so tired and burnt out, and just didn't wasn't having fun by the end of it. Just wanted to kind of go home. And he, but like we kind of talked about that with with a couple guys that were there this year that just didn't quite have the success we might have expected. But but what he said though is that he won the George Paul uh, bull riding in Del Rio, and that paid more mm-hmm. than what he won at the NFR. He he split around. And he was like second 
in third and fourth. He, so he plays four times out of ten nights, and he made, might. I think he made like forty two hundred bucks. They had to buy their own rooms. It was still in Oklahoma City, so they had to buy their own rooms. And he yeah. got a he got a satin qualifier jacket that had like the vinyl heat press like he, NFR yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My so, dad has some of them. Yeah, but he said he took it to the dry cleaner and all the fucking stuff blew off. So anything no, that he had from the yeah, NFR it's, melted yeah, it off. Melted it off. So <laughs> he gone. doesn't have any mementos or nothing from the qualifying from the NFR. And this was in 1978. Like this is not really that long ago. Not that like, long ago. Yeah. It's 45. It's actually 45 40, years. So it's quite years, a while. It's quite a while. Yeah. But like, doesn't seem like like Don's not even. He's not that old. Like you, you think that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Right, you think that it's not that bad, but your your dad went to it the really NFR. isn't like that long ago in the big scheme no. of things, you know. No, not really. But like, well, but dad, even, even dad... in your career, see oh, yeah. how much has it changed? How much has it changed in the, the, the yeah, amount, it's, amount of it's money you make, right? For sure, uh, I think like two thousand. The first year I made the finals was the first year they had the, the decent money jump, and I think it went from was it when maybe nineteen thousand around to paying twenty six or something. And then it's it's kind of made a couple small jumps, you know, to now it's just about twenty nine thousand or whatever. But um, yeah, it's just it's it's all changed, you know. The the horses that are showing up now, like there's so many good horses, and and uh, just the riders. I think the the quality of bronc riders out there right now, they're so talented. You know, it's a, it's a young group of guys, and they all work at it, and just the way they ride, I think they make the horses better. Um, you know just through their styles and stuff. So it's just all evolved, you know, it's gotten more specialized um, guys work at it a lot more. Uh, you got guys that are, you know, watching, watching some of the best guys from, you know, no different than me. Like I just studied it from the time I was two, three years old, you know, and that's all I ever wanted to do. So you got, uh, it, it was just with technology, I guess, and stuff, there's more access to, uh, being able to uh you know see it and and be a part of it and be in it and uh i think just kind of seeing the results of that well you're not you're now the veteran of this this group of bronc riders how does it feel to kind of be the leader of that pack and kind of you're the one that people are watching the videos of to kind of hone their own form in what's what's that mean to you yeah i mean i don't know my job doesn't change <laughs> i guess <laughs> i don't feel like a veteran but uh, i have uh I've, you know, I've done it quite a few times now. Um, you know, I know what it takes and, um, you know, how to go about it and stuff. So, uh, just the older you get the, you, you know, you, you gain more knowledge and the things that were important to you when you were younger, you know, become less important and, and you value other things. And, um, you know, I've gotten to a point in my life where I really just, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy getting to do what I do. And, um, just very thankful that I get to do it. You know, I, I got two little kids and like you go to say the golden circle hour in Vegas there and you hang out with a little girl that's got cancer or some uncurable blood disorder, blood disorder, you know, it's, uh, that's sad to see, you know? And so there's, there's a lot more to life than riding Bronx, but, uh, it's what I like to do. And, um, I'm going to do it for as long as I can be competitive anyway. So the, you're into it. You've got eight final eight, eight NFRs so far. You're 28. How, how's the body feeling? How like how how are you doing so far? You're where you at? Yeah, really good actually. Um, you know, I kind of seen seen some of this coming a few years ago, and uh, like I've always you know real active guy and and keep myself in good shape. But kind of kind of seen like some of the guys that first you know were around or like when I first come around that were were the top dogs and. Um, you know, like fitness and, and maybe, you know, like taking care of yourself wasn't really all that prevalent or, 
Um, As I think about Wade Sundell. Something you did. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not going to call names out, but a lot of the <laughs> yeah. guys just didn't, uh, they didn't, they didn't take care of their bodies and uh, the way they probably should have been, you know, like if you're going to perform at a uh, max capacity, you know, it, it's pretty, it's a pretty grueling, you know, sport to uh, have to go and do, uh, especially day in and day out and stay at the top of it. So you gotta, you know, I, you gotta keep, you know, take care of yourself and treat your body like a machine. And, you know, so you put the cleanest fuel into it and, and, uh, you know, do your maintenance. And so I, uh, I got a, I started working out quite a bit a couple of years ago and stuff and just kind of on my own, but didn't, uh, all that stuff's changed too, you know, with time. And so I didn't really know anyways, last, last little while I've had a personal trainer and, um, really, really gotten good results from that. And, uh, just I, honestly, I'm in the best shape I've ever been and, and I feel, feel great. So ready for 2023. So what, what does that look like? Is that somebody kind of close by in big Valley or Stetler or something like you go see them a couple of times or you got stuff at the house or, and then, and then how do you do that on the road and how do you eat well on the road? None of that's easy. It's actually, it's a, no, it's not. It's a program called champion living. So it's Doug champion, which is Richie champion's brother. Okay. And so Doug, Doug rodeoed a little bit and stuff. And then, uh, um, whatever course action, he ended up, you know, taking this, um, you know, personal trainers, you know, route and, and then he's been a part of rodeo. So he's, he's kind of turned it into a rodeo, you know, a rodeo fitness type thing. And, uh, which he's got clients that aren't rodeo guys, but it's, it's a lot, you know, it's mainly geared towards rodeo athletes and, and shedding a little light on that side of the sport, you know? Um, anyway, so I signed up with him and, uh, yeah, he just, you know, got me eating what I, what I should eat. You know, I've always ate really good. I just never did realize I didn't eat enough. So, uh, you know, just that side of it. And then, um, obviously the, the building physical strength side of it, he's, uh, he's a, he's a guru at that stuff. And so I just, I do what he tells me, you know, it's five days a week. Um, there's lots of mobility stuff, stretching, just everything you need to, uh, to keep yourself feeling, feeling your best so you can go perform your best. Um, but, uh, as far as getting it done on the road, it's a little tricky for sure. Um, you know, you don't always get to it and then eating healthy on the road is, is hard. Um, you know, a lot of nights you just, maybe hitting up the old Maverick for a bag of trail mix and, <laughs> and coffee to get you down the road. But it, uh, we do our best. Um, we try to just try not to just fill yourself full of junk, you know, um, eat, eat the best you can and, and make do. So like I said, sometimes, sometimes just eating is the most important. So it's, it's not always the best, but you gotta, you gotta feel for your body. So. Is that a lot of sit, sit down meals, different times, like try and have a mix of salad in here and there or like, you have to have a lot of yeah. protein to keep the energy up kind of thing while you're on the road and late nights and early mornings and traveling all the time. Yeah, for sure. We always try to get um, at least one really good meal in for the day, you know, whether that's steak or, um, you know, your, your vegetables and, um, you know, healthy carb or something to uh, get you through. And then, you know, but a lot of times you, you might end up stopping for, a, you know, a chicken McEgg or something from mcdonald's or whatever every morning and grab a quick coffee and keep rolling but um we do our best like i said it's, it's not the easiest some guys do have i think refrigerators and um kind of take their prepackaged meals with them um 
we don't I don't have we don't have fridge, so we don't do that. But as I said, the work you do in the off season must pay off in that in that sense. Like you may be able to kind of get away with not being as diligent throughout the season and just letting kind of the work you put in leading up to it kind of take the wheel. I think, yeah, I think so. Um, because it's, you know, like the busiest part really isn't that long, you know, you've got July, August, September, you know, it's kind of three months. Um, you can probably count the last part of June in there for sure. Three and a half months. But if, you know, if, yeah, if, if you go into it ready and prepared, you know, you're feeling good, you're healthy, strong, you know, if you, uh, you know, you, you won't maybe get to, uh, to add on to it all the time, but if you get a, you know, a free extra three hours, you go roll around in the grass and, and do some stretches and push ups and things like that or whatever, just, um, even just the mobility side of it, you know, because you're just, you're spending so much time in a vehicle and, uh, in a fixed position, you, you get sore and, uh, just as much sore from driving, um, as you do from riding. So just being able to, uh, know how to deal with that stuff and, and keep it at check as is huge. And then, uh, like, like you said, if, if you got, you got extra time, you can go, go work at it a little bit if you want. Wacy's uh favorite American restaurant, I think is probably Chipotle. Am I wrong? Uh, or do you think it's for like fast for, for like fast food for sure. But if we're going to sit down, Texas roadhouse rips, man, I wish we mm-hmm. had those up here. What's yeah, they're really good. Is that what's your yeah? What are your go tos when you're when you guys are going? Zeke, I'm I'm wondering about yeah. That. Like if there's if there's a Texas Roadhouse around, like we'll go get us a steak or whatever, you know. Um, like decent, like we're not fancy or nothing, but we we do like decent food, so we'll go. Uh, you know, try to find the best quality food or best restaurant we can and go eat. Um, because I would say the other seventy percent of the time we're you're not eating the best food. <laughs> the uh. What are you guys using to find the best restaurants? Is it like some word of mouth or is somebody in the truck like on their phone and looking up the best places or is it, you know, is there yeah, outside Jake, Dawson Jake, and he's trying to find his phone? No, Jake likes to eat. Jake knows where all the best restaurants are. He's yes. been to every one of them. He's got them on speed dial. Outstanding. I was gonna, like, what are you guys listening to on the road? What's yeah. the, what's the, like, what who gets to choose, who gets to choose like the, the music or uh, what is in a podcast or we, silence? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like podcasts for sure. Um, kind of everything, you know, you, you drive so much that it's, uh, and whoever's driving usually plugs their phone in or whatever, um, puts on their tunes. So it's, it could be anything at any hour, you know, any artist, you might, it might be the girliest thing you've ever heard, but <laughs> we, uh, we, we sit in that truck so much. It, it doesn't really matter, but we do listen to podcasts and things sometimes times and uh yeah if not we're just bored and fight with each other what do you kind of what kind of shows yeah what kind of shows listen to uh we listen to usually we get a rump chat in once in a while um jake's actually he's more of the podcast guy jake actually likes audio books books on audio nice yeah and uh yeah actually i don't i i've never really um you know, downloaded them or anything for myself, but all the ones that I listened to with Jake, they're actually, they're pretty good. I enjoy them. What's he listening to? Is he listening to fiction or, or is he listening to like, like all sorts of stuff? Yeah. We, we, yeah, we listened to one that for like three days, that was about the, um, the Indians of the great plains, you know? Oh, and, uh, yeah, it was super, like super educational, but really, uh, really neat. Just, you know, hear about kind of, how the Indians, you know, how they lived. And then it kind of took you through the whole thing of when they got 
put on the reservation and all that stuff. And, and then he might be listening to uh, Game of Thrones for the 14th time on audiobook. <laughs> you, you, you never know. It could be anything. Was, so we talked about like how you keep your body in shape. What are you doing to keep your mind and, and keeping your mindset kind of fixed on winning championships and performing at your highest level? Yeah, I just, um, you know, honestly, I, I just try to try to keep, keep everything in perspective, really, I guess, you know, like I said, I'm pretty lucky and pretty blessed to be able to do what I do. And so, uh, I, I just kind of have a positive outlook on it all the time, you know, you know, no matter how it goes, it's, uh, still not a bad day. And, uh, you know, I just try to keep that at the forefront and roll on. What are the, what are the goals now? Zeke, we I asked uh, we asked this question to to Sage Kimsey. He's trying to get to you know he's trying to beat Donnie Gay's record. That's one of the motivations. But he said the motivations have changed over the years. What is it for you at this point, and and where do you want to still go, and where do you want to go, and and what do you want to do, and who do you want to be by the end of, end of your rodeo career? Yeah, goal wise, um, it's just more of the same. Um, you know, I don't. I don't like other than some of the big rodeos this summer, I don't know if I could have won a whole lot more than what I did in this last month, you know? And, uh, so just try to try to duplicate that. Um, not very many guys that have ever done that. And if I could do that more than once, it would be pretty cool. What, so what's the motivation now to keep, to keep doing this? What is, what is, what's driving you right now? Uh, honestly, I just, I love to ride Bronx. I love to compete, uh, very competitive person, um, about anything. And, uh, honestly, I want to be the best. I want to, I want to be one of the best Bronx riders to ever walk this earth. How, how much, well, I want to, I want to kind of go into like the, you talk about the last month and month or so from CFR into the, into the NFR, you win the last rounds of the CFR, win another average title there, win, win a Canadian title. How, how much did that help your confidence going into Vegas? Knowing you kind of duke it out with with how close the race was to come back and win your third world title. Yeah. Um, it gave me a lot of confidence, you know, it's just, uh, that's a wave you can ride in there, uh, especially getting on some of the horses I'd drawn at the Canadian finals, um, super great stock, you know, stock that was going to be down there at the NFR. And, um, you know, for the Canadian finals, I come in from $20,000 back, you know, which doesn't sound like a whole bunch, but it's tougher when, you know, the rounds just don't pay as much or whatever. That's a little tougher to get accomplished, you know, in six rounds. And uh, so I had to come from behind there and, um, and got it accomplished. And then, um, you know, the NFR was no different except good 10 rounds and I was $115,000 behind. But uh, you just go in there and do your best every night. And hopefully you've got yourself in a race for a world title at the end. I want. I wanted to ask about. Uh, I think it was round seven or round eight when you got got the re-ride option. It was it. I can't remember which round it nine. was, but round, round nine. nine. Yeah, round nine. Yeah. So, um, talk a bit about that decision. Like, was there kind of a bit of? Were you? Was it no doubt you're taking the re-ride, or was it? Because uh, you because had you had fallen off, it takes you right out of the average and and kind of changes the whole landscape of what the rest of the event looks like. Yeah, there was no question. I was I was going to take the re-ride no matter what. Um, <clears throat> didn't matter what it was. Uh, that first horse kind of just she kind of bucked it out there a couple and then just it just didn't really kick you know and I was actually it was you know when I just got off I was like maybe she bucked hard enough I wasn't going to get a re-ride which I was like that's going to suck you know because like I, I spurred her good but yeah yeah buck very, and I'm like I'm going to get a 74 here 
which was not really what I needed. And then uh, they were waving the re-ride flags, and they said, oh, it's Brutus, it's Brutus, do you want it? And I was like, sure. Not really the horse I wanted to get on, but, um, you know, I figured I could ride him and um, hopefully place on him. And uh, then the judge on the back was like, no, no, it's Indian burn, Indian burn. And uh, it's a great big, huge horse that Tim Bridwell's, and he bucks, and he's kind of bad with his head, and um, he's just he he's just a good eliminator. He he bucks hard, and he's hard to ride. But I was like, you know, if, if we're gonna do it, we might as well do it on one that you know we could win some money on for sure. And uh, so yeah, he he turned out and bucked, and I made a pretty good ride on him. So eighty-eight points out. for I think second or third in the round, so won another big check. The so uh, somebody I I think I remember hearing or seeing or reading that this third world title was was the toughest one so far. Is that is that uh, true or did I read that wrong or or what's your reaction there it, that way? It honestly probably was um, like leading the average, you know, especially those last three or four rounds. Kind of like I've never really been one to go for the average, and uh, it's. I don't know. That's tough because you don't want to, like, it can help you so much, but also at the same time, you don't really want to be riding to win the average, you know, tentatively or safe, safety, safetying up. But I, um, and just as how far from behind I came, you know, to, to win it, you know, I had to go in there and I had to ride my butt off every night and, um, I drew good horses, you know, they let me do that. But, uh, it was a lot, you know, that first one, the first time I won the world, they, uh, you know, not, nobody really expected me to win the world. Um, shoot. I didn't even expect to win it really. Cause <laughs> Jacob's Crawley, all he had to do is get a score and yeah. it was his and, and they never, you never buck him off. And, uh, anyways, he had him missing his horse out and then some other stuff had, you know, I had to place high enough in the round and be enough points to win the average. And it's kind of a come from behind type thing there, but nobody really expected it. And, um and then in 19 i had it one uh like ground eight or nine catch yeah they couldn't catch me so it was kind of like whatever but uh this one it was it was tough i I won't be honest it uh you know going in that 10th round it's it's yours to lose which i I don't like really i don't love that position because um you know it's it's your mind starts you know just don't mess it up you know it's like and then after, you know, I got there, I got, I got everything, you know, once we were saddled and ready to go, then I was, this is just old hat. We're just going to make the best ride we can and try to spur his ass. And so that's what I did. And then that's you, what you did, you, and that's what you won. Split another round yeah. win in the, in the 10th round too, wasn't it? 89. Yeah. Split, split the 10th round. Yeah. I've yeah. never won the 10th round. So I, was, I mean, split it. That's pretty cool. And didn't, uh, didn't Colby split it with you? Yeah, Colby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Colby yeah. and Chase Brooks. Yeah outstanding yeah the so what looking back at the whole season what would be some of the most memorable rides like i think one would be uh it's got to be get smart at the cfr on sunday uh, get smart but, cfr sunday that was for sure um that's probably one of the cooler moments i've ever had in my career really um to be getting on that little horse for a canadian title and having to ride him and win in the round to you know to seal it all up and um, you know, I've been on that horse so many times and he's won me so much at, uh, and that being his last trip in Canada, it was, uh, that one was pretty special to me, you know, um, 
this year, uh, I made a, I made some pretty good rides this year. I really did. Um, I made a ride on Baby Kibitz, I think, in the first round of Calgary Stampede, the big sorrow horse of Calgary's, and she really bucked and um, had some moves and change-ups and, and was getting it on. And uh, I feel like I made a really good bronc ride that day. I think it was 89 and a half or something. Um, I uh, This summer I went to Baker, Montana, and I got on Kitty Whistle, a C5s. Um, really good horse. I've been on her a, a bunch too. And, um, she boiled out of there and kicked over the back of the chutes and went to getting it on and the flank fell off the third jump and then she just stayed bucking and, uh, um, she bucked hard. I made a pretty good ride and, um, yeah, it was 90 and a half with no flank. I've never wow. done that before. Wow. <laughs> you still get the option on a re-ride for that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, then I got on a charter plane that afternoon or right after I got off kitty whistle ran across the road to the airport and we uh, jumped this little puddle jumper up to Caldwell. And I got on uh, the short round of Caldwell that night and got on a horse of friends and it's called bet the ranch. And uh, I was 91 and a half on bet the ranch. So 90 and a half and 91 and a half in the same day. Um, that, no that was deal. pretty cool. Four States apart, you know, <laughs> dang. One of my favorite rides I see you make this year was uh, in round four when you won on heaven on earth that was that was a jammy jammy bronc ride yeah that was uh that horse was hard really hard <laughs> yeah um, it didn't, it didn't look that easy <laughs> yeah he's been around for quite a few years and um they hadn't got him rode yet uh but i can see why that that thing is big and strong and uh yeah just uh, he's a good eliminator i'll tell you that what about the uh the 57 on frisky chicken in ogallala nebraska back in may yeah frisky chicken wasn't so frisky that day um we sat this bronc match in ogallala uh we just kind of entered it going through and um whatever headed to mile city we gotta stop right by there so we uh we went there i got on frisky chicken frisky chicken's usually a pretty good little horse uh one of olds but i don't know she just she did not buck she just loped off down the arena i got a re-ride um, the re-ride was some cult and, uh, I just, I didn't, my knee was pretty sore. That, that was kind of in May right after I'd hurt my knee and stuff. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so I had some cult, so I just kept my 57, didn't get on. What about, uh, so I gotta, I want to ask you about the format a little bit too, Zeke, or, but actually before we go to that, let's go back to the CFR ride on, on get smart and talk about just walk us through that ride and, and your recollection of it to be you know 93 and a quarter is this i believe it's got a, it's a cfr record is it not you've been higher <laughs> mark yeah so cfr record but you're 94 on uh on uh the big uh stampede horse special special, special delivery yeah former bareback yeah. horse yeah so 94 there um then uh dawson the next year's 95 logan's 95 and a half there but but anyways go back to the to the get smart ride at cfr i want to go back through that one a little bit more the actual ride yeah yeah so um you know I, I get smart he gets my motor running pretty good um he's little and uh he's super fast but man like he's so strong he, he only weighs 800 pounds but he he hits the ground really hard um like you can really feel him hit the ground and you can really feel him kick um and he can he can buck anybody off it does not matter who you are what you've won that little horse bucks so hard and 
and he I've seen him get all sorts of caliber guys on the ground and uh so I just I had my work cut out for me but anyways once same thing once once I'm ready to crawl over it's it's straight business and um he kind of stalled in there and then uh kicked over his head in the buck and shoot and I just was like it's time to go because he he don't wait for nothing he he gets it on and so I just started spurring trying to uh trying to stay ahead of him and uh he got going out through there um and he got to the middle there and he was really bucking he was uh jumping four feet in the air and he was belly rolling and uh kind of doing some crazy stuff and then he kind of got a little more level as he got up to the fence and then kind of went into the wall and come off of it and i just tried to spur as hard as i could did you know you'd broke the record when you when your feet hit the ground coming off the pickup horse pickup horse Hey, I didn't know what it was going to be. I knew it was going to be pretty good. Um, I've been on that horse a lot of times, and that was honestly one of the buckiest trips he's had. Like, just the way he's belly rolling. He was feeling it. Yeah. His head was coming back. Yeah, 20 years old, still bucks like that. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I was I was trying trying pretty hard there. And uh, so I knew, I knew it was going to be good. I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, but man, just the crowd, the whole crowd was standing up. People oh, were going nuts. Says, I got so many fans and uh, it's, you know, that's, that's almost one of the coolest parts, you know, honestly, it really is just to, to see how many people get behind you and uh, cheer you on. And, and they, you know, they, they truly want to see you win. Um, that's, that's really cool. So would you kind of scripted a better ending? No, it's like a, it's like a movie. Would you, uh, how would you rank that ride compared to the one on special in Pollockville? Yeah, the ride on special in Pollockville. Um, that was really cool too. That's just such a cool bronc ride. And, um, you know, really that horse hadn't been in the bronc riding a lot at that point. And, uh, I knew he was, it was good and was going to buck. Um, and he, uh, he kind of bailed out of there and same thing. We just, just tried to, try to make it best ride as I could on him. And he, uh, big wide shoulders on him, you know, um, kind of hard to get it up there over his shoulders. But, uh, I was just trying to jump out of my saddle every jump and, and get him stuck. And, um, he had a great day, a really good day going across there in the sunset. And that was, uh, that one was pretty cool too. The, uh, I want to, I guess, I'm looking back at some stats here too, Zeke, and looking back at the early years, 2014, 15, going to 2016, and the marks are all kind of like, there's a lot of 77, 78, that kind of stuff. Until 2016, it seems like you finally start getting marked, except for the one outlier is the 90 on uh, Killer B in in Tucson in 2015, where, you know, kind of a breakout ride. But um, does it take a while to get marked? until people kind of like know who you are and get going or uh, you just not quite draw it, the red horses didn't ride as well. What's the deal? Uh, it takes a little while to, to learn how to ride Bronx. Um, you know, uh, like at that point I, I was a rookie. So, I mean, I could make some good rides, but they were pretty, you know, they didn't come very consistently, you know, like I kind of had that the right horse and the right, um, you know, just the right, the right things had to go right, you know, for, uh, for me to make a good ride and get an 86 or an 88 or whatever, you know? Um, so lots of just 
shoot, I, I remember my rookie year, I'd go four or five, six horses in a row without, without staying on one, you know, and then I might stay on one and get an 86, but, uh, I would just come a spurring and, and if it worked, it worked, if it didn't, whatever. So, uh, that's, that's just kind of, I think that's just all part of learning. Um, you know, now I guess as the more you get on, the more you rodeo, um, the, you know, just the more you mature, you, uh, and if you're trying to get better, you, uh, you, you will, you know, you, you progress. And, and so now like I kind of at a point where I should be able to make a, you know, a, a almost, you know, perfect, you know, not a, you know, nobody ever makes a perfect ride, but I should be able to make a, a very, very good ride on, on most anything um, that they draw me. And that's just learning how to ride different horses that have different styles and how you got to be able to get by the big strong ones. You know, everybody rides the little springy, boingy ones that jump four feet in the air and kick over their heads. You know, everybody rides those really good. But it, I, to me, I think it's the guys that can ride the, the high-headed, droppy, strong ones just as good or the, the little fast, low-to-the-ground ones. You know, you got to be able to make a, a really good ride on every horse. And um, that's what I've really worked on over the years. And um, hope you know, that way, hopefully, they, they, they can't draw you a horse that you can't, uh, you know, go win something on. Do you think that's something that Dawson Hay is going through right now? Uh, we, we see him like he, he obviously deserves to be where he is and makes like unbelievable rides, but we do see him fuck off um, here and here now. That's, do you think he's going through that same kind of trajectory that you did at that stage in your career? Yeah, 100%. And Dawson is actually, he's improving so much, especially in that aspect. Like even down there in Vegas, I, I think it was maybe the second round he had a horse called Mighty Mo. And uh, this time again was not easy. And uh, Dawson, Dawson rode really good for what that horse was. And he had to put out, you know, quite a bit of second and third effort you know, to get, to get by him and get him twisted. And, but I think he did end up placing, but it, um, I just told Dawson, I'm like, dang Dawson, I'm like you're turning into a, you're turning into a bronc rider because that thing would have bucked off a lot of people. And you found a way to scratch through it, make it look decent and, and win some money on them. Um, to me, I think that's what sets, sets guys apart. And uh, Dawson, he showed me that a couple, three times during the NFR, some, some pretty big second efforts. And uh, I, I told him, you know, I'm like, you're on the right track. Cause if he, if he can get some of that stuff lined up a little bit, Dawson easily world champion material. And you've got like the killer B ride too, which was pretty unbelievable. That was, probably, that was, be- that was the best bronc ride I've ever seen in my life. Really easily, I should have been in '96. Wow, that was that, that it was, was it was crazy on TV. Ride. On TV. I can it only imagine so it would have been like the shoot level. He come across the front of the buck and shoots there where my horse was loaded. I was just standing there, and I, I bet his saddle was going four and a half feet above the top rail of the buck. Wow, so that Ooh. horse was bucking so hard, and he he spurred its ass for what it was, and that uh, that was good ride. Really some of the ride. photos from it are unbelievable. Like there's some of the it's coolest prom riding photos I've ever seen. Yeah, it's crazy. Jumping as high as the gate, and his yard is stuck in the middle of the neck. Oh man, that cool. this should have been a '96. That was rank. How oh, much does that fire you up when you're when you're kind of next in the line? Have like seeing like especially your traveling partner and someone you've been around a lot over the last few years, just gassing one. Like how what does that do for you and and getting you pumped up to ride? It fires you up. <laughs> That's me anyway. Yeah, like I watch that and I'm like, holy smokes! I'm like, all right watch this guys and hopefully i can go you know 
obviously I didn't get a 92, but I'm going to go try to hang it all over one, you know? Um, it's talking about the actual rides too. Um, it was something that Billy Eppauer did where, or not, maybe not did, maybe just how we rode, but in the bull riding, they're never supposed to get your chin, but in the bronc riding, it kind of looks like you get a couple more points sometimes. Maybe, I don't know. Just, I'm just speculating here, but sometimes not, not really. Um, I have trouble with my chin. Like, um, I don't know. I get my chin goes, uh, some guys don't really have that problem. Um, I think cause I'm a, you know, kind of a skinnier, leaner type guy, you know, um, a long skinny neck on me, just <laughs> not as strong. Um, but, uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, it does if for me, like gets, I, I get really good hold with my feet. And so that power has to go somewhere. So like, I, like my, probably my best attribute is my spur outs or, or that's what I work the most at because I know that's what starts the ride and sets it up. And it also kind of sets the men apart from the boys in my opinion. So, uh, I always try to have really good spur outs, but like when that horse jumps out of there, you know, and that horse weighs 14, 1500 pounds and it jumps out of there and hits. And then the next jump is, you know, if I'm going to hold my feet for two, the next jump is, is a pretty, pretty substantial jump you know, that power has got to go somewhere. So if they're, they're pulling on your feet, you know, usually it ends up going up through your chin. So they get my chin there. And then, and then sometimes if they get it bad enough, I can't get it back down. Um, <laughs> other times, other times it's just some of the styles of horses, you know, um, or kind of want to get a guy's chin. Um, but I, you know, honestly, they're, everybody's got a style and, and other everybody likes something different, I guess. Um, but as long as you're making a good spur ride and it looks good, I think you're, you're going to win something. What are your thoughts on the, the markout rule then? Are you, do you think it's something like... that's, that's yeah, we, that we talk about it quite a bit on the show here. This, how it's, I don't know, we're, we're kind of, we're on the fence about it or we're not, not the biggest fans of it. We're, I want to hear it right from, right from you. So to me, um, the markout rule, is uh i think it's the best rule in bronc riding because it's uh it it kind of like i said it sets the men from the boys um you've got get smart or wild cherry or something like that drawn and when you nod that thing explodes in two you know faster than you can think like it's all it's all reaction because when you nod like that those things are firing out of there and when wild cherry boils up around over top of the post and she's got an eight foot rare out on her. And then she jumps and kicks the back of the shoots right there. As soon as she hits, uh, it's pretty hard to get spurred out. And in my opinion, the guy that's going to spur her out is the guy that comes to win first. If you reach up there and dirty well demeanor and, and cause you're taking a chance at getting bucked off cause she's, you know, she's going to kick the back of the shoots right there and, uh, there's a good chance she's going to throw you off, but if it works, there's a good chance you're going to be set up to make an outstanding ride and probably get a 93 or whatever, you know? So that, to me, that's why I like the rule. Um, if they did away with the rule, whatever, I'm still going to spur my horses out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still gonna, I honestly think it'll still go to the guys that have good spur outs just because of judges like watching that as a judged event. Uh, me as a bronc rider, when I see somebody have a good spur out, and because uh, that's the hardest thing in bronc riding is um, to hold your feet for two perfect jumps and then have enough send on your feet to to, um, you know, 
set your feet the first jump and make them wiggle in the front, that's, you know, that's the hardest thing to do. Lots, you know, you look, look back, you know, uh, that's where it's changed so much. There's so many guys that can do that where it, you know, used to see guys pick up their timing from the cannel, you know, spur them out, hang a jump and then start spurring, um, you know, things like that, where if you, if you can spur your horse out for two jumps and your feet come perfect and then you ace that horse to a judge, that's a no brainer. Cause it's like, man, that was, you know, when I watch it, I'm like, Holy smokes, that was a great ride. Like, um, so I, I think the, the best rides will still prevail. Um, also, I, st- I but I still like to see who's got the stones to to want to go spur one out. You know, <laughs> is there is there a punish punishment within your traveling partner group for some, if you don't spur your horse out in a rodeo? Yeah, we don't really have a punishment. <laughs> um, it's uh, none of us are are too. I mean, it happens. Like I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say it doesn't. It, yeah, yeah, it happens. You have one squirt out of their low and beat out, or you miss it. Whatever things things happen. Um, but uh, for for the most part, we don't uh, we don't get too many yellow flags thrown on our crew. Um, I think we all feed off of each other for for that reason, um, you know. And that's uh, honestly that's where our success comes from, for sure it is. But uh, you know, it's like I said, it it does happen, but um, you just can't make a habit of it. Well, and at this point in your career, like what's like, how slow are the rides happening for you? Like you've been on had thousands of horses at this point. Like what's like, are you, is it kind of like slow motion for you at this point or is it still happening pretty fast or I guess you probably don't really think too much while you're on the back of a horse either. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just like muscle memory, especially the first couple jumps, you know, they're, they, uh, the first few jumps, they, they happen pretty fast, but not so fast. That I can't tell what's going on. You know, like I can see everything out in front of me and, uh, but that's like, that's where, when you're, you're about ready to go to war, you know, especially if you got them spurred out, then it's like, you're just waiting for that timing so that you can turn loose and, and, uh, try to hammer on them. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's almost more of a concentration, I guess, right there. And then after, once the ride's going, you, I, I mean, I can see every, I, I hear weird things. I hear what some things that the announcer's doing, or you can hear your buddies on the back of the shoot sometimes <laughs> or whatever, you know, it's, but um, yeah, it's, it's dif- different, I guess. What's the wildest thing that you've heard or, or had happen while you're on the back <laughs> of one? Oh, I don't know. Like I can't remember um, exactly, but like you'll be, I just know like you'll be riding sometimes and you hear somebody, somebody yell something and then you'll be like replaying it in your mind. And, it, but like, I'm sure it happens so fast. Like your brain probably thinking so fast, but it like, while you're on the horse, you're like, why am I thinking about this? While you're, you know, <laughs> making a rock ride. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's different. Oh man. I, I remember one time on a, like on a steer in Nanton at like uh, one of the rodeos in the, august or something remember like being on the back of one having two hands down and like i felt like my like a rib pop out and just not being able to breathe and just like trying to grit it out and just and trying to make trying to make it from there that was one of the weirder ones and then there was yeah. like a there was like a puddle going by and alder flats also in the steer riding and it was going slow enough and this cow was just hobbling down the down the arena and i was like oh shit i don't want to land in the puddle i remember like kind of bouncing around a couple times and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh i guess like i'll hear things like well i'm getting on that the announcer might say like right before i ride say like 
they say something silly or whatever and then you'll be thinking about that while you're riding you're like why, why am i even thinking about that <laughs> he definitely made that up oh boy. <laughs> yeah is there is there times like i know in the bull riding i remember personally and Wacey you probably had this happen too but thinking like oh yeah i'm gonna make the whistle i'm gonna make it like then you kind of like safety up and grip down and then just bam get tilly whapped like get get slammed but i mean like is that is that a mental thing where Wacey and I weren't mentally strong enough to stay on long enough? Or like, does that happen to you too, Zeke, where you're like, Oh yeah, I'm about to win this. Or is it more you're focused all the way through to just get that. You have more to focus on where you got a spur to ride. So there's maybe less going on or I don't know. No, I, I think I don't, I mean, that's, I'm a big <laughs> advocate on riding for 10 seconds, you know, like I always okay. spur three or four jumps after the whistle. Like if you ever watch me, um, so I don't ever want to get in a position where I think like, you know, I want to be waiting on that eight second whistle. Like I want to be able to know physically and mentally that I could spur that sucker for 10 seconds every time. Um, uh, but shoot, like I've never like clamped up and, and had that happen, but like this summer in Pendleton and then Tremont, Tremont had a horse major Huckleberry went to the finals. And uh, this his big big dude was bucking. He was getting it on that day, and I was making a great ride. And uh, six and a half, seven seconds, my stirrup just flies off my left foot. Like, no. but I like I reached up and set my foot. My stirrup comes off, and then my leg comes back, kicks me in the butt, and I end up mutton busting this huge horse <laughs> by the, both sides of his halter, looking him in the eye, climbed underneath. He should he should have stepped all over me. Yeah, how he didn't, oh, I'm no. not sure. He missed my head bite inches he would have crushed my skull but uh and so i was like son of a gun why'd that happen so then we go a couple more weeks and uh i was in pendleton short round and i had weekend departure at calgary's and uh super cool little horse i just got on the week before in ellensburg and uh i've been on her lots and and uh get along really good with her and uh she did a little rare out and hit and she was just stacked up there at the grass and I mean, I had a chance to win Pendleton probably, and uh, we was getting it on, and she was having a great day. And I reached up and stuck her. Left stirrup's not there. I'm like, what? what? Kicked me, you know, same thing. My foot comes back, kicked me in the butt, and I landed this hair. I'm like, what the heck? Anyway, I, I took my left stirrup up a hole and haven't had it happen since. So, Huh. Dang. That's uh... But that sucks, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. two rides right there. Like, that bronc match is 15,000 added. Pendleton's 40 some or 60 some thousand at like that yeah. probably cost me you know 15 15,000 or more um you know both times stirrup comes off at six or seven seconds you know is that is that a year thing where your stirrup leathers get broken down and the leather stretches a bit and you just don't quite feel it and it just kind of blows up like it blows off on you like that like it's a tough one isn't it honestly I think yeah I think I had my saddles that like I think I had my left uh my left stirrup was longer than my right stirrup. Um, but it's this one, like, I'm not big on changing a lot. So if it's working, I just stick with it. Yeah. Um, but like I said, you, you take it up one hole, that could make all the difference. But uh, that's a, that is a hard part about bronc riding, like our equipment. You know, it, it, it changes lots, but it, it also has to be just perfect almost. Um, or as close to perfect as you can get it. And uh, that, that can be a frustrating thing setting up your equipment the i had a guy a journalist actually asked me there was one night when i was down at the in the media room and susan canode introduced me to a guy from the review journal who knew rod and knew clint malarchuk as well like knew rod hay and, and then clint like you guys would know who clint was 
uh, or is. Um, and he asked me about Rodeo in Canada and how I was doing. He's like, you guys only have like 10 contestants here. That's like, that's not that many. I was like, oh, actually 13 is the most ever. So 10 is a really awesome year if you count. Uh, the, uh, that's not bad. Breakaway, right? Like it's, it's really great. And, yeah. and he was like, so what, you know, and I was like, no, Rodeo is doing great in Canada. We got this, this, and this, and we got, you know, we got Calgary's doing great. We got, uh, the CFR has been solid. Pinoca is a huge, huge event. we got the Bronc riding. And, and then I was like, there was a record until I think 2013 or 12, like 12 or 13, where Canada had had a Bronc rider at every NFR up to that point. And I think Luke Butterfield was really pushing to get there and be that guy and make it and just barely missed it. But uh, what do you attribute to the Bronc riding being such a huge, to, well, or maybe like, maybe the question is, what why why are there so many great bronc riders to come from Canada and and what what do you attribute some of your success to over the years or some of the influences? I the things I said was Winston Bruce, the Calgary's Born to Buck program, all the different uh bucking horse the great bucking horses up here. I think that was one of my big pieces. And then having those guys like Marty Wood, you know, Winston Bruce, um, Kenny McLean, uh, Mel and Highland as well, um, Mel Coleman, you know, Rod Rod and Denny and Rod, and Rod Warren. That, I think there's just been so many great riders. But what, what do you think on that side, Deke? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Um, I think it's like Ty Murray was saying on the telecast, like they love this event in Canada. Um, Bronc Riding's, you know, it's kind of almost a staple event. Um, the Born, Born to Buck program was started up here through Calgary, you know. Um, so they've been breeding these horses to, you know, to buck and, and kind of specialize in the sport up here, um, you know, through their stock. And uh, I think it's just shown, like you said, there's, uh, you know, like kind of all them guys that were before us. So we're, were outstanding and great bronc riders. And then you kind of got the guys that were right after them, say my dad's age. And uh, there was like when my dad would go to the finals, not that he's from Canada, but like there'd be Guy Shapka and Danny Hay and Rod Warren and Rod, you know, there'd be six or seven of them guys at the finals. And um, so you just, I think you just got uh, a combination of those guys on those good horses that went and did it. And then we are, you know, the next generation or I'm the offspring of one. And so is Dawson and Logan. Um, so now you have these great teachers, you know, these guys that went and done it, um, teaching the next generation to go on and do it and um, teaching them right, you know, uh, you know, preaching the spur outs and, and preaching and getting drag on, you know, and, and riding the horse and um, just making good bronc riders. And, uh, you know, like there was kind of a lull there for a second. And then, uh, you know, I, was, I, I made it on my rookie card in 15 and, uh, you know, like, me and Clay and Jake went in 16. So those two were just right after. And, uh, you know, like we grew up together, college rodeo together, all, you know, novice, everything, learning to ride Bronx together um, through the programs up here and high school rodeo, whatever you want to call it. And so, uh, you know, we just, I went and did it. And then Clay and, and Jake followed up and then Leighton in 17. And it was like, I think after that, it was kind of like, look at all these guys are, are, able to go and again get that accomplished and so then you've got guys that are three or four or five years younger than us you know Dawson and Logan and all them coming along and and uh you know they're getting better and better and there's I think it's uh I think it just opened the eyes to you know, all the young guys that want to be brown credits it's like 
look at uh, look what these guys can do. And um, I think you like you have to have that leading driving force in in every event or every sport um, really to uh, to make other people you know reach their uh, reach their you know peak potential. Um, and uh, you know because if the best front rider in Canada was mediocre, you know everybody else is is going to be pretty mediocre, in my opinion. So we're, we had, we're at a point now where we can have over over half the field of the NFR could be all Canadian guys. Sure, could yet uh, there's more coming too, like Q Taylor and some of these other young guys that are going to go. Um, they 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 are definitely talented enough and and uh, have what it takes to make it. You know, I'd, I'd love for one day if there'd be ten Bronc riders from Canada there. That'd be cool. It's not well, a far fetched thing to think about. <laughs> well, even, it's really not. It honestly oh. isn't. Even this year, uh, Ben Anderson finished 23rd. Jake Watson was 29th. Uh, then a couple more down. You've got Luke Lucas Moxa, 36th, and Dawson Dom, 39th. That's, so there's your extra four three, right there. There's Yeah, there's four guys right there, but, you know, two or In three that should have probably been there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Zeke, we don't want to keep you too too long here. Wacy, what else do you have here before we uh, call it a show? I think we've, uh, I think we've, aside from the the final question, we've hit every every note. It's been cool to kind of recap the year with you, Zeke. It's been awesome watching you. Is there anything that we missed that we that you want to make sure to tell everybody? I, I, we got to thank uh, thank a few sponsors for sure. Um, if you want to take take some time there, there's been a lot of uh, you've had a lot of great support from from different folks like ATB and Durango Boots now, and uh, and and Sweet Pro too, eh, Zeke. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had really good sponsors my whole career. Um, all my sponsors have been, you know, more than a more than a sponsor. We've had a great friendship with all of them. They they do anything for me, you know. They they treat me they treat me really well, and um, yeah, I just like to thank them all. Um, there's quite a few of them. Uh, I'd also like to thank all the fans, you know, um, Canada and the United States. I uh, I got some of the greatest fans in in the whole world, you know. Um, I. It doesn't really matter where I go. I could go to a brunch grad in Nebraska or in Washington and people, you know, are there and, and they come up to me and, Hey, we're huge Zeke Thurston fans, you know, and uh, we love watching, you know, it doesn't matter where I go. And it's, uh, that's, that's honestly one of the biggest things to me. It, uh, it really makes me feel good. And um, it's just super nice to know that you got people rooting for you no matter where you go. And so I appreciate all that. And um, so, let everybody know I'm not retiring. <laughs> well, I, I know through through from Ireland, Zeke, it's, it's been really cool to to work with you and follow you like over the years. Like you're you're a great ambassador for for the sport, for especially like rodeo in Canada and, and rodeo as a whole. It's like at the CFR, like just watching you, like we're I doing the social media, like you're always willing to like stop in, like help me out with whatever I needed or take time with a fan and, and say hello. And it was, it's pretty impressive with everything else the guy has going on. You, you still take that time to, to kind of be approachable and, 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 and have those conversations with people and, and be helpful and help grow the sport. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I, I try. Um, I really do. It's, you know, I was, I was that little kid running around at, at rodeos with my dad when he had the board or was there riding Bronx or whatever. And, um, so if you can, you know, be a role model or, or somebody that, uh, you know, somebody's going to look up to, um, I think, uh, if you have that platform, you, uh, it's your, your duty to, to go and do that and, and show people how to be a good person and, and, uh, a class act and, um, you know, 
just spread your positivity. That's yeah, that's a good way to bring new people to the sport. I know my percent uh, of girl, my girlfriend's brother was his first Calgary Stampede, and you were the you were the first person to stand out to him. So he's become he's become a, he's become a big Zeke, big Zeke, Zeke oh, perfect fan. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, you got anything else, Teddy, or should I pose the I'm, last question? I think we because really we, we've working. asked this question before. Yeah, we've we asked, have. I think we've asked this before, so it'd be interesting we to better see look how at, much it's changed over the years. Yeah, we got to better pull that clip from the last one and see see how they match up. But yeah, but yeah, Zeke, the 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 final question we ask all of our guests: What is your definition of cowboy shit? Cowboy shit, I I don't know. <laughs> um, to me, it's honestly just cowboy shit. Is just anything cowboy. You probably don't even have to put on a cowboy hat to. Uh, you know, to be doing cowboy shit, it's, it's, it's a mentality, I guess it, uh, you know, it's being, being brave when you don't want to be. And, you know, uh, it's, it's being soft when you have to be, I guess. And, um, just being a good all around person. That speaking of that, Zeke, you, uh, you still wear Ty pods bonds patch on your vest. You're, you're one of the, one of the folks that knew Ty and, and was around when Ty was going, just give me a little, uh, t- talk about that a little bit. And Ty's impact on on your career and yeah, Ty, yeah, he was awesome. You know, Ty was he's maybe a couple years older than me, but um, our careers were pretty pretty similar. Obviously, we're different events, but um, just I got to know Ty through rodeo and uh, what a what a great guy he was. And I uh, I love that guy. He was a lot of fun and um, just just always happy. And uh, he was he was really a a, a great person. Um, and so uh, I, I do wear the posse, you know, 23 or the pot, whatever the um, patch is or whatever. I get my vest done by Rad Right and they do my vest and I think they throw that one on there for free. And so uh, rep it all the time. Thanks for, thanks for being part, keeping, keeping the foundation and keeping Ty's name out, out in the forefront. So we appreciate that. And, and uh, all the best with the building the house in the spring and, and this, the winter hey, on rodeos you. and, and uh you know here's to here's to uh keep your name at the top for as long as you as long as you want to do it that's right awesome well thanks for doing this Zeke. we appreciate it a lot merry christmas to you guys and uh and we'll catch up again thank you you guys merry christmas have a good one take care you too okay all right take care you bet Rodeo with $256,000. It is world champion saddle bronc rider Zeke Thurston, Big Valley, Alberta. Our Ram Top Gun winner, 2000. Welcome back. Thanks again to Zeke Thurston for joining us on episode 133. It's uh, it's almost New Year, Waste. Uh, what's your New Year's resolution for this year? Mm, your resolution for this year oh my god i gotta be uh be a bit more strict on this upcoming one <laughs> compared to my last this 2022s i think just just kind of devote more of a routine so like like build a routine when i'm when we're on the road or we're not on the road in the downtime like just have things set in place like for activities and, and staying active and keep on oh, yeah. moving because i was feeling a little dragged down after the last few months places yeah find a way man yeah true find a way find a way um how about you what do you I got? don't have one i'm just gonna keep living uh <laughs> have not made a plan <laughs> it's reasonable. But, it's reasonable but i wrote down what are we what i'm looking forward to in 2023 and i think uh for me it's got to be like 
helping grow the team and build the crew a little bit here and work mm. on working on removing <laughs> removing myself from some of the pieces so that I can be a little more uh just kind of yeah I gotta take it a little easier I got a little had a little too much on the go this last year so mm-hmm. I gotta kind of mm-hmm. refine that a bit but uh um what else looking forward to being warm in the winter a little bit kind of gonna plan to go hide out somewhere and in the somewhere warm for a couple months so see what that looks like well not a couple months but a couple weeks i guess nice it'll be kind of cool uh uh looking forward to dallas here uh coming up the big show there um what else looking forward to a couple of big events uh pinoca um what else yeah just like some of the PBR, like the Canadian Cup series again. And then uh, what else? Looking forward to golfing more too. Looking forward to getting a few mm. more rounds of golfing. Um, yeah. Do that. So that's a few things yeah, I'm looking for. Shape it up to be a good year for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, looking, yeah, looking forward to some of that. Some more, some more fun shit, I guess. Enjoying some of that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's just it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and actually one thing I'm looking forward to this year, I just realized that, not realized, but like mapped out some of the season and we, uh, if we can keep on pace here, we'll have our 150th episode, August 23rd, 2023. Nice. So that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be, that's a sweet milestone to get goal. to for sure. We're only uh, 17 shows away, I think. So we're getting pretty close. Heck yeah. Knocking on the door. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep rock and roll, man. Uh, what else though? I had, I had another thing. So I was reading, like I said, I was reading that you and got thinking about the, the energy thing, which is kind of wild. Um, and then I got reading a story about Big Bend National Park, which is down by Alpine, Texas, uh, okay. like and on the Rio Grande River. I don't know if you ever went to the Alpine College. I did, rodeo. yeah. That, that, that's yeah. one of my favorites. One of the, I tell when I tell people about my college rodeo days, it's one of the places I tell people about because it's such a cool yeah. part of the world. Yeah, it's yeah. it's remarkable. I wish that I would have been more <laughs> conscious of uh, Big Bend at the time to like go and uh, do something there. Like uh, this story mm-hmm, made me mm-hmm. want to like go back to Big Bend, but then it got me thinking. I was like, what are some of the most beautiful places that we've been to and i gotta think about like some of the stuff in my memory i know when i was uh when i was doing the shrooms with the doctors on the golf course that the golf course was really beautiful <laughs> at the time because i felt like i could see for miles dude but, we have one of the most beautiful places in the world like an hour from calgary yeah yeah banff and lake louise is beautiful um and it's neat to be around like that i, I i'm with you on that I, i'm just thinking of like what else is i was more thinking of the hidden gems like i was thinking that you'd probably like be like yeah man like this part of Saskatchewan is really awesome, dude. You northern Saskatchewan is a beautiful place. Yeah. So where though? Where exactly? Because I, I would say like up, like really up, know. like up around, like so, like north of PA. So I can't remember what like, the name of the park is. It is. No, no, no. no. Like, it like, like there's a national park that starts like just like where they had oh, the really? bull riding. Yeah, that like where they where Waska Sioux Lake is. Thing? Yeah, like uh, the, that's the start of a national park, and it's gorgeous up there, man. There's like trees for days. Even like Nipawin, Saskatchewan is like one of the nicer places I've been to. Like. That uh Sioux Lake, Prince Albert it says Prince Albert National Park. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So the start of that oh, is wow. really cool going into like this beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Thirty seven hundred kilometers. It'd be uh mm-hmm. oh wow. Nineteen twenty eight they opened it. Really? Yeah. So this is like this is Waskasu, eh? Yeah, Waskasu is cool, man. It's a it's a cool destination. Um and then Oh dang, that is cool. Yeah, yeah and like Nippu and I don't you don't know, oh, wow. you probably never really got to spend too much time around there. No, I remember going there one time. There was a really nice golf course right by the yeah. The hotel, but never really course. got to go. Never That's really got to play. Bachelor before party. I was much it's of a golf guy. Beautiful, yeah. In the lake, like we did really? that bachelor party on the lake, and it's really really nice up there. Like it's the How northern Saskatchewan go? lakes, 
kick ass. Yeah, I was wondering. I was because Big Ben is like off the off the beaten path. I was more looking for like that kind of thing. And I mean, mm. that's probably one thing I need to do that this next year is like go and get back into the nature, the nature of things a little bit more too. One of the like, cool, one of the cool places I've been when we we went and did like a family road trip one time. Went down to Cheyenne for a few days. And like yeah. we went into the Black Hills of South Dakota, like kind of right where Mount Rushmore is and stuff, and the Crazy oh, Horse yeah. Statue. It's a beautiful part of the world too, man. It's really neat. I only remember being at uh, the Black Hills, like Mount Rushmore, one day, and it was really, really cold. Yeah. I mean, it was all covered in snow, so it was less. And going down through down through Deadwood, man, is a you you've been to Deadwood before, right? Not not in my recent memory, like not. Oh, okay. Yeah, we drove like down you, through. Even like we watched the Top Gun movies over the holidays and the new system mm-hmm. downstairs, and like I'd never watched the original Top Gun movie start to finish before. <laughs> it's like one of those things where, like I, uh, <laughs> I haven't seen. It was like when we did Harry Potter and all that shit, like in Star Wars over COVID. Like I had never yeah. sat down and watched those movies. I, I gotta uh, work on some of that shit. But, uh, but yeah. off the track, off the uh, beaten path, I was trying to think. Um, I haven't been there, but I really want to go. Uh, I really gotta go check out like Writing on Stone and uh dude so sick yeah i gotta go see some of that at mm-hmm, some point mm-hmm. and then uh what else i don't know i got i was trying to think about some of that stuff but even but even like where we were up in like northern alberta like when you do that sales run like through st oh, paul yeah. and stuff like and you missed time. uh you missed uh dunvegan too that's one of storm and i used to live up places. i've been to their, their bunch oh, okay yeah so that's one of the places yeah, yeah. That, that uh storm and i have a couple times we've had the dogs and we're like we'll like go and even if we're going up to like keg river or whatnot we'll go and stop at mm. dunvegan right by the river there and just hang out and have a sandwich and walk the dogs around and just kind of like take a little break and then you know yeah. what else was really cool we were i met uh the guy that has a store in the crete uh like mm. which is way up like i guess it's like five hours north of edmonton we uh i met him at his cabin and he had a cabin right on the like i guess oh what the hell i gotta look at what river it is up there i don't let me go. Let me look quick. I should know. I don't. I don't know if it's the. It's the piece, isn't it? Or the piece? Yeah, I forget now which one it is. Uh, I gotta look close by. Mackenzie County. I just gotta look here quick. I forget. Yeah, no worries. It, yeah. It should be the Peace River, isn't it? Because that's. Yeah, it should be the Peace. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So his cabin was like on a on a corner of the Peace. Mm-hmm. So we had to. We just went across the the ferry, and then his place was like right on a bend in the river. It was unreal. Like cool. overlooking it, like probably from a few hundred feet off the river, like super, super cool. So, nice. so that was really neat uh, to see that place. Just kind of hidden gems in the middle of nowhere. But think about like the amount of friggin' trees up there. Oh God, yeah, it's crazy. It's beautiful. That's a, in, in the fall time. That's like one of the most beautiful places. It yeah, looks so gorgeous. The colors are man. Another hidden gem would be the area of Saskatchewan that my dad grew up, like the rolling hills of southern Saskatchewan. Like it rolls in, kind of oh, really? like his hometown's Rockland. And you kind of like you know like how flat that like southern Saskatchewan is like you get like you go south of Moose Jaw and it's real real flat you get to Assiniboia and you kind of work your way down to Rockland and my dad's hometown and it's like right kind of borders along the northern part of Montana and it's just beautiful like rolling hills and coolies and it's really really nice and you the further east you go you get into the big muddy where like those like uh like uh Butch Cassidy and that kid hit out for a little while and it's a really cool part of the world too. Which way is that <laughs> further east like towards? So you go straight south of Moose Jaw to like Rockland, then you work your way east towards um like Cornac, um and Big Beaver, like into the big oh, muddy okay. like Ben Goff area. Yeah, oh, that's I a see. beautiful. Yeah, it's really nice. Oh, interesting. Okay, huh? Mm-hmm. Cool, man. It's just nice because well, when you think when you think of Saskatchewan, you don't think of that, and that's like a beautiful part of the world. Huh? Mm-hmm. Neato. Neato. Another one we could another one we could say for us, anyways, was the Everglades. Like I never ever once yeah. thought to go to the Everglades. That was really cool. That was really cool, man. 
Yeah, that was really neat. I'm with you. Mm. It was so unique and to see a friggin' like wasn't it gators like yeah. alligators on the side wild. of the road in the ditch. Yeah. So that was that's got to be a highlight <laughs> from 2022. We never really talked about that highlights from this year for us. Yeah. That was probably a highlight doing, oh, doing sure. that trip. Uh, oh yeah, trip going to Caden, Disney and all that Kelsey's stuff. wedding so, was unreal. Uh, yeah. Getting engaged to Storm. That was big <laughs> that's time. pretty high up there. Too, that hey? made congratulations the by the way, Teddy. Yeah, I guess we haven't really announced this, it this, we made this public yet. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> that was so. a highlight for the year. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, that's a sick. I, I guess I for know. me, like Sedona would have been really cool. Yeah, Sedona. Like Jen, Jen was cool. I was on stage with the Arkells. That was pretty neat. That's pretty neat. <laughs> a couple highlights. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Singing, singing, uh, singing, singing Amarillo by morning with Cor Blunt was pretty cool too. Um, oh yeah, at at the George Strait concert. <laughs> yeah, George Strait concert. Oh, yeah. yeah, I guess I was on the screen for the uh for Patty Pimblet's intro oh, at UFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. UFC. Yeah, that was pretty good. It's been a good year, man. It's been a good year. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of great shows. Uh, just looking back, looks like we had Dustin Edwards on the show back in February. That's pretty sweet. We're uh, yeah. we were trying to we were trying to trick uh, Dustin into getting uh trying to get uh uh trying to for trying to get him to propose to ali on the podcast we thought it could be uh you know, they nice met on the moment. show they yeah, accidentally met nice on the moment. show it could be like you know it could be so we Full might circle moment we might put out a petition for uh for people to sign for dustin to propose to ali on the show <laughs> what kind of support we can get for that um so we're gonna Hell put yeah. that out to the people so make sure if you know dustin be like dude you met her on the show, like you gotta. You gotta, gotta do, do it, dude. It's At only this fair. Point, you have no choice. It's yeah. only fair. So, uh, vote for vote for uh, the trails on on cowboy shit. Um, that's something we're gonna look for in twenty twenty three, hopefully. Um, no no pressure, oh, yeah. Dustin. No pressure though. I'm not trying to force you anything <laughs> you don't want to do. Um, Wacy, what what's up with your hat, man? Where'd you get this old Bud Light cup hat? That thing's sweet. That thing. Retro. I got it. Uh, I saw a guy wearing it, and saw a guy wearing it in Vegas. Really? At the at the trade show, and I was like, "Dude, where'd you get that hat?" Like, I offered to buy it off his head and everything. I was like, "I want that bad." Yeah, and he uh, he's like, "Oh, I got this in this place called Old School Hats." So I went and ordered it like that day, and it was at home when I got back from Vegas. You ordered it online. Yeah, and is it yeah, new? Old is school like, hats. They, are they? Yeah, allowed I think to they must have just so, must they just sewn the logo on. I don't know. I it was just a sweet hat, and I really wanted it. So, huh. especially now Maybe with the PBR moving into his thirtieth year, we're we're the same might age. Be, me and the PBR. might be uh might be a little bit of copyright infringement. Who knows? But hey, they uh, maybe don't want to fight it. Who knows? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, they can... Yeah. Anyways. Okay, man. Well, uh, thanks for the show. Thanks for making this work today. Thanks, everybody, for Good listening. Everybody. Thanks for another year. Happy New Year from the, all uh, of us. Yeah. Thanks for another year down uh, uh, on the editing side. Sean, Mr. Sean Morton. I know this was the last minute or for you. Um, and then uh, what else? Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have any uh, New Year's resolutions or uh, or highlights of the year you want to share with us, give us a shout, send us a note, and we'll uh, we'll see y'all next year. Thanks, Wacy. Thanks for doing this show with me now. Six whole see you next year, Teddy. No, wait, five next year, five years. This is five. Yeah, we're working on six. On number six, yeah, man. Five. That's yeah. our five year anniversary. Look at that. Boom. What's our What's our actual anniversary though? Is it ten years? Ten years is down, isn't it? Twenty twelve. Like ten. Oh man, we're over ten years, dude. It. I think. I think this is, our, this is our 11th year now, going okay, into 2023. Happy, happy anniversary to you, two ways. Happy anniversary, buddy. Yeah, love yeah, you. <laughs> love you, too. See you, buddy. Goodbye. Three, four, one, two, three.